following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Uh, have you ever been around like thankful people? Like, you know, I mean, every time I ask that question, people smile. Like, I mean, like I look around the room, people are smiling like, yeah, I know that guy's so thankful. You know, like, I mean, thankful people um, have characteristics that be, uh, that are beyond gratitude. You know, there there seems to be a lightness and a joy about you know, there, there's, a, there's a great sense of appreciation for everything. They're the first ones to say, what a great day today is, right? They're, they see the value and they appreciate the wonder and the, the generosity of God and all of his gifts that he gives to us. Is there any benefit to that in our witness to others? Is there any benefit to that in, in just our, our own sense, quality of life? Right. And and do you believe for a moment that God desires that we would be men and women of deep gratitude and live thankful lives that are uh, because because is it not is gratitude not a um, a faith statement? You ever thought about that? Is gratitude not a faith statement? Um so we're going to read our text this morning. Uh, we we are, have been in the Gospel of Luke, and we continue through the narrative, uh, picking up as we go along in these significant moments in the life and ministry of Jesus. Um, and here we are in chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. And uh, and Jesus is making his way with his disciples to Jerusalem from from Galilee. So if you if you know the geography of of Palestine, you know that like the Sea of Galilee, the Northern Kingdom, um, the, 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 in between that and Jerusalem, which is where the temple was. So festival feasts were always hosted in Jerusalem because the temple was there. Um, and but between the the two was what was what. Samaria, right? And there was a deep hatred uh, between the Samaritans. They, the, the Jews felt like, and whenever we say Jews, we're really referring to one of the 12 tribes, those that lived in Judea or the tribe of Judah. And this was a derogatory uh, kind of term that was given by the Babylonians to those that were in exile in, Babel, in Babylon after uh, 586 B.C., and they would refer to them as the Jews because they were from Judea, right? Much like the 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 uh, the the Egyptians would refer to them as Hebrews because Abraham was from Hebron, right? So that's why you hear these terms, and they they were they were not like in their original context they were not like. They were not accolades, right? They were thought of as being, um, you know, the least of these in their in their context, um, or exiles, or slaves, even. And so, here, because these the, the Samaritans in the Jewish mindset, uh, who who was captured by the Assyrians in in AD seventy seven twenty two, or excuse me, in BC seven twenty two. Um, they, 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 they considered them sellouts. They, they intermarried. They did things that God, as if they were any better, but they, there was this deep animosity between them. And it endured until Jesus' day that he lived in, and Jesus confronted this prejudice, 
confronted this 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 and and they would actually go around Samaria. They would go to great lengths not to to be in their context. And Jesus never did that. He would he would go. And that's why we see in John four that he ends, ends up having a conversation in the middle of the day with a Samaritan woman. But here he uh, he's near uh, a, a, um, uh, a leprous colony. OK, so let me just give just brief context here. Um, based on the book of Leviticus, if you were if you had the disease of leprosy and it endured, you were ostracized. You were kept at a great distance. You were no longer welcome in the camp. Uh, you weren't able to interact uh, socially, uh, commercially, uh, religiously. Um, you were considered sinner because this was, of course, you are facing the consequences of your sin, which Jesus confronts that attitude as well. And uh, but they 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 are ostracized. They are they are permanently deemed diseased. And, uh, and not welcomed. And, uh, can you imagine? I, I just think it's so important to our text today that we kind of put our, our, our feet in their shoes as, as a leper. Someone that would, would face all of those implications. And how, what would it be for someone that was, that had maybe walked in that, in that difficult scenario for a length of time? How difficult, I mean, how wonderful would it be to be relieved of that. I mean, you are now welcomed back in all aspects of Jewish uh, life and custom. And, and, and what a celebration that would be. I mean, back amongst your family, your friends, interacting socially, spiritually, all of that. Um, and so that's where the context of our passage begins. And we'll pick it up in verse 11. If you're in Luke 17 with me, we'll go through verse 19. And it starts like this. Um, on the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance out of respect, right, and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Wow, in a Jewish context, that's uh, that's good news, right? Um, and and as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving thanks to him. Fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving thanks to him. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, speaking to his disciples, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Well, I, I think we benefit tremendously from visual aid. I'm going to show you a clip from the uh, the Chosen series this morning. But in order for you to understand the context of that, uh, earlier in the, in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 5, Jesus has an encounter with a leper, and it's not at a distance. Jesus actually bridges the divide, is willing to enter into his brokenness, as he did with ours, and reach into our sadness and, uh, and our diseased circumstance and touch 
And, and, and it's a very powerful moving moment here. And it's in Luke 5, verses 12 to 14. I'm going to read it for us. And then I want you to take a peek at this clip. While he was in one of the cities, he being Jesus, there, uh, there came a man full of leprosy. And when Jesus, and when he, the man of lepers, saw Jesus, he fell on his face, begging him, Lord, if you're willing, if you, if you will, you can make me clean. What a statement. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them being the, the Jewish leaders. Take a peek at this, uh, this clip. Guys, let's not miss the, the majesty of this moment. Right. Can you imagine we, we, we got to be a spectator to, to what would perceive to have transpired in that moment. It probably doesn't even scratch the surface. Just can you know, one of the things I love about the way that's depicted is that Jesus has clearly demonstrated that he's willing to enter into our separation, our ostracized state our brokenness, our diseased moment. And, and I love that what he does is he gets down on his knees in his humble posture and gets eyeball, you know, that, cause that's what he did. He condescended heaven to earth in order to, to take on humanity, in order to, to be our sin debt, in order to, you know, take on our disease so that it could be removed from us. So we could be rescued and restored back to an intimate relationship. And and don't we see in this moment that what he's done for us, as I'm probably jumping way ahead here, but what he's done for us is eternally more significant than the temporal moments of life and 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 this time on earth. That our healing is 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 eternal and significant and permanent, sealed with its promise. And how much, I mean, do you think, was he thankful? Was he grateful? Did he, did he want everyone to know? And Jesus says, no, like, you know, it's, it's not time for that yet. Like, but, but he was, you can you imagine the gratitude in that moment? And, and what I wanted us to see is to see the, the, the animosity between even Jesus' disciples and their self-perceived righteousness, they're not sick, right? <laughs> That's what we think, right? And so, um, so, so rich. Well, let's dive into this text because I want to just be transparent to say, I, this week, studying through this, I have been so convicted. I've been so challenged that my life does not depict the gratitude that Christ's mercy and grace has bathed me in deserves like I, I i could i need to be so much more like i need to enter into his gates with thanksgiving that every time i'm coming into his presence the first thing that should be obvious in my posture is gratitude so verse, first three verses here on the way to jerusalem he he being jesus was passing along beside um, between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance, lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. 
Now, again, this is a this is a different scenario than what we read in Luke five and what we just saw. But and this is later in Jesus's ministry. But Jesus has and, and obviously as lepers, they would have heard about this and that would have been a legacy that would have brought great hope and pursuit of Jesus. Um, and that's why they're there and they're calling him master and they're asking for his mercy. Right. Um, interesting. So I have some questions for us, just ways for us to process. My hope always is not that you would leave here with any antidote or anything like that. Any of my thoughts, but that, that you would have a full understanding of the scriptures that I believe has the ability, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ that has the ability to, 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 to render faith from our lives and to, and to just confront our humanity and call us to a deep, thorough belief in Jesus. And so I ask these questions with that hope. Why do they call him master? So what I want to understand, I want us to understand what master means in the original language, in the Greek language. They're calling him commander. Like you are, you're in charge. I mean, this is a, this is a, this, this is a, a lofty, um, statement on their part, but it's not Lord. It's not Lord. It's not, it's not God in skin. It's, it's, you know, you have authority and we believe that you have authority because of what you've done to remove our, our disease. Right. And the other statement that they're making here. So first question is, why do they call him master? Because they're making a statement that he's in charge, in charge of what healing and cleansing. Like they, they, he has a, he has a resume. He has a legacy of this. And, uh, and they are coming to him with hope. They are desperate, uh, for, for the healing that they've heard about. Um, so what do they mean by have mercy on us? Who do you go to to ask for mercy? Right? Someone that would have the, the, uh, the, the role of judgment, right? Someone that, I mean, you're looking for mercy from someone that could give you otherwise. And, and so in this, in this particular, this, this particular situation, the question has to be, why are they asking for mercy? And secondly, why ask Jesus? Why ask Jesus for mercy? Well, they've, they've adopted a social understanding that they are guilty, right? And that their circumstances or their condition is evidence of that. Jesus refutes that that's always the case, right? But here they are acknowledging that he could, that he could do what they're desperate for by this statement that they make. Then in verse 14, it says, when he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. So did you see their faith in action in that one verse? Did you see it? Jesus gave them a command, right? And the command was, 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 uh, was, was prescribed by those who experienced cleansing from Leviticus. Like it's a Jewish cultural law that if you are cleansed from leprosy, that you go to the priest, you make the offering, and the priest actually deems you cleansed and now you can enter back into community and all of its all all the benefits right and so he tells them to go and do that and it says as they were going they were cleansed 
Okay? So they took Jesus at his word. That's what we have to see. This is one of the biggest moments in this, in this, in this event. Their faith was, was in him because he said go. There was no evidence. There was no immediate healing. He simply said go and do what is prescribed for your cleansing. And it says as they went, they were healed. Okay, so I think this is one of the most powerful moments in this. Does our healing come as we walk out his word? I'll ask that question again. Does our healing come as we walk out his word? Exactly. Haven't you seen that in your own life? Right? We see it in Luke chapter 5. He, Peter says, look, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go cast nets into a deep water. I fished all night, caught nothing. But he said, because you said so, Lord. I mean, even at the, at, at the opposition of his own desires, of his own temperament, like he's like, I don't want to do this. But because you said so, and then it says this, and when they had done so, boats full of fish, right? And, and the greatest gift in that moment, the, 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 the miracle was not boats full of fish. It was what had transpired in now Simon Peter's heart because he saw Jesus for who he was. And the holiness of that moment brought him to his knees in a boat full of fish that he didn't care about anymore. And he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And he acknowledged the truth of his condition, right? And, and, but I think it's, I, I think one of the, the rich principles that we see here is that these guys march off simply because Jesus commanded them to with no, with no evidence, with no healing transpired. They're off to do what the law requires when you are healed. So that's, that's, they're walking in faith. And in his word, and it's in, the, it's in the process of walking out his word that they experience healing. Is that not something we need to hear? Like we need to acknowledge, right? So the question, the obvious question that I would ask, um, you know, because they had, they had no evidence. They simply trusted him. The question is this, are you doing what Jesus has called you to do? Like I believe that there's, there's miraculous healing. And when I, when, I, when I say healing, I'm talking something way more profound than physical. I mean, I, I'm talking about the change of your disposition, your heart, your temperament, your character. The conforming of you to Christ happens as we walk out his word. And I think a lot of times we're not seeing radical change because we're just not simply putting our faith. And this is what that means. We're not putting our faith in Christ. Because when we trust him, we walk out his word despite the lack of evidence. Despite the, the fruition of that promise yet. Isn't that what the Faith Hall of Fame says over and over again about Abraham, about every single one of them? That though they didn't see it yet, they, they walked in it as if it was reality now, right? What is faith? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen, right? That's, that faith is, is literally de- de- uh, defined for us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. So we know what faith is from a biblical perspective. And so I think that, that right there is fantastic. The path of obedience leads to healing. Do you believe that's true? 
And that's the principle that we're seeing lived out here is that the path of obedience leads to healing. It's the transforming work of God actually making us like him, but it's faith. And what does that faith look like? Practical terms. It's us putting so much confidence in who he is because what he's told us to do, we believe is the authority of God and it has implications, promises and benefits. And I'm, I'm doing it because he said so. And, and as Peter kind of modeled for us, especially when my, my flesh and my nature, my, my own desires are at odds. Especially. Because, you know, there, there, there's often even in moments where there's consequences of appearing foolish. Right? You don't walk towards the pre, I mean, you don't think across their mind for one moment, hey guys, we might get to the temple here still, covered in leprosy going we're cleansed right jesus said so you know like and you don't think that that but but for these guys they walked that out and here's the key confident in the word of christ and that's the principle that that we need to hear this morning is that is that god's word is worth walking out is worthy is 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 so worthy of our obedience which Jesus says clearly in John 14 several times 21 23 that this is evidence of your love for me your evidence of your love for me is that you have you have put stock you have you have put credibility in what i say because your life depicts that cuz you're walking it out Without evidence. Because faith, if you, if you see it, is it really faith? Right? Walk by faith and not by sight, we're told. So in 2 Kings 5, well, one of the, uh, the narratives of the Old Testament, um, we see a guy by the name of Naaman. He's from Syria. He's a, he's a warrior. He's a, he's a commander of an army of Syria and, and he is, he is riddled with leprosy. And uh, and I'm going to make this short, but I encourage you to go back to it. Jot this down. It starts in verse 1. You can read the whole thing, and I think it'll be helpful. 2 Kings 5. And uh, and he hears that Elisha, who has a double portion of Elijah, like, I mean, he's a prophet of Israel, you know, like that, that he has answers for his need. And so he comes all the way from Syria down to Jerusalem to, to, to meet with with Elisha. And Elisha tells him to go bathe in the Jordan, to dip in it seven times. Right? And he's like, what? Are you kidding me? That water's disgusting. We got, we got bodies of water in Syria that are beautiful. And I made, I've traveled all this way. And now you want me to go bathe in that dirty water? And this is your directive? And he, he says he gets angry. And he's, he's leaving. He's, he's leaving. And his servant says to him, do you, do you understand this is the word of God, right? Like, what, what's the big deal? Go, go and do what God's word has commanded you to do. And one of the things I get out of that particular moment is I think we're called to be men and women that when others are wrestling with obedience in obscurity, when, when, when others are wrestling with obedience, with the lack of evidence, that we're the, we're the, we're the servant of God that says, but God said so. Like, what's 
just do what God says to do. I know it seems obscure. I know it seems, right? And and what what does Naaman do? He goes, you know, and and, it, and you you got to believe like Peter, like it's not like he's going going. All right, here we go. You know, like he's like there's there there there's some there's some, but he's obeying God's God's word through the prophet, and he experiences healing from leprosy because he's walking. He walked out God's word with no evidence. In fact, his his own disposition was rejecting it as as the path to healing. Can I tell you this morning that the path to healing is obedience in God's word? I mean, whether it be mental healing, emotional healing, psychological healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, I believe that we just like we can we can name and claim all kinds of things with no authority and expect results that God never promised. Yeah, I said that. Right? And we see it through all kinds of denominations. Name it and claim it. And just expect God to do it because you said, you said the magic word, Jesus. Right? That's not the, that's not his name. When, when you say in Jesus' name, what it means that it's in his word, it's in his authority, it's in his, like he has deemed it. You can stand in it. You can have faith in it because he promised it. Right? Right? And so like, like Jesus told them to go do something. And when they did it, they were cleansed, right? And, and man, I'm not saying that we, we're the ones that cleanse ourselves because obedience is simply a response to his power and his promises. He's the healer, right? And here's the other caveat. Here's the other challenge. Let's not seek him for the healing, but for the healer. Right? So often we're just, and, and we do this with others too. It's so sad. It's we're trying, we're, we're trying, we're going to him to get what we want. Not, we're not looking for him, you know, we're looking for what he can give us rather than his heart. And, and what he wants to give us is himself. Right? That's what he wants to give us. He, and, 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 and Jesus, I will see this as this, this continues to unfold. Verse 15 through 19 goes on to say, then one of them, one of the ten, who happens to be a Samaritan, so that means this is a mix of people, which when you're in, in desperate times, you know, like this, you, you, you seem, prejudice doesn't seem to really have a factor anymore, right? It's interesting. Uh, then one of them, when he said that he was healed, when he saw, saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with what? A loud voice. I mean, I think the scripture wants us to know it was audible. It was loud. It was pronounced. It was felt. It was, it was articulated in boldness. And he fell as he comes to Jesus. He fell on his face at Jesus feet, giving him thanks. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Have you has there been a recent occasion where you fell at Jesus' feet and just thanked him for what is way more profound than a physical healing? And the implications of our healing by his stripes is eternal. Does, does Jesus deserve our worship, our gratitude, right? Right? Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Where were not the ten cleansed? Where are the nine? I mean, 
I can't possibly understand the inflection or the countenance of Christ when he states this, but it sounds to me like he's a little disappointed. It sounds like it's kind of a sad reality that there's no gratitude at least expressed and demonstrated by the other nine. He says, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God, the father, by the way, except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith in me has made you well. And if you read that in the original language, and some of your translations even say it this way, your faith has saved you. Like, my, my, my understanding here is he experienced more than a physical healing because he returned to the, the feet of Jesus. He acknowledged that, that he was more, more exciting in that moment. He was more excited about what that moment revealed about who Jesus was than actually what he got. Does that make sense? Like, that's important. Because are we, looking to, are we just looking to God to give us what we want? Or do we, do we ultimately know that his heart and desire is to give us himself, his presence, and all the things that come with that are just bonus. Like, it's the relationship that is the gift. So only one of them came back? Isn't that a sad reality? Uh, uh, kind of a... Uh, an indictment on humanity that that oftentimes gratitude is not our disposition it's not our response and 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 please don't miss this the lack of gratitude is really ultimately don't miss this an indicator of poor motive it reveals our motive when we lack gratitude and should it not be like a, a, a like maybe the first and one of the most uh, pr- pronounced responses that God gets from us. I mean, we see in, in uh, Philippians 4, verse 4, 4 to 6, 4 to 7, it says, be anxious for, but in everything through prayer and supplication with, with what? With thanksgiving. Like, you know what the context of that, that is? When you are riddled with anxiety, when you are in anxious circumstances, a, a, a place where, where worry would be justified, be anxious for nothing. Rather, have a posture of prayer and let that posture of prayer be, 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 be filled with thanksgiving and gratitude. What was the first response of the one that did return? The first response when he, when he saw his healing. What does the text say? He praised God with a loud voice. Guys, um, listen, part of the reason that we've moved most of the song set to the backside of this message is I want you to have practical application, right? I want you to have opportunity with a loud voice to praise the Lord and to give him thanks. Because trust me, if you can't praise the Lord here, you'll never do it out there, right? Like, like, this is the safe zone, right? Like this, we're going to be, it's going to be celebrated. And, and the truth is like, it is a, it, you know, it, David said, I can, I can be even more undignified than this, right? Like what God has done for me demands an undignified response as it relates to what other people think about me. Look, look, 
Why, why do people that, that love their favorite sports teams don't seem to have any care about what their response looks like or how they dress? It can be pretty ridiculous, right? And they don't care if the whole world sees it, right? If it's on TV, then better, right? Because I want everybody to know who I, who, what I'm a fanatic for, right? Are you a Jesus freak? Right? Are you, are you, because let me, let me be very clear. There's a big difference between a fan and a follower. Big difference. Right? Fans sit in the stands. Followers are on the field. And th- this is where, this is where you get to be a part of the victory and, and it's up close and personal, but it's, it's, it's often painful and hard. And it requires a lot of training. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Right? And I believe, I believe I, I can, I, I believe I can say with confidence that those nine folks that marched off with joy and ecstasy right off to the temple telling the priest did the whole thing and they were, they were a fan of Jesus. That guy's awesome. Right? But, but this guy said, no, I'm, I'm going to follow him. I'm, I'm going to find him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to get at his feet and let him know that I'm grateful. Does God receive praise with a loud voice from you? He came and worshipped at Jesus' feet. My question is, was his response appropriate? Was it appropriate? I mean, when you saw the gratitude in the film that we watched of that particular moment, and you see the gratitude in his heart and his disposition and his tears, what, is it heartwarming? Is it compelling? Is it... Right? Does it does it make a statement about who he thinks is in front of him at that moment? Was it too much? Was his response too much? Like he gets down the ground on his face, the feet of a of a of a rogue rabbi from Nazareth. I mean, like this is a humble guy. Like like is that too much? Well, I'll tell you, it's not from even Jesus' perspective. And you're saying, Pastor Colin, why can you? How can you say that? Because when Mary shows up right before his death. And she brings a bottle of nard, perfume, arguably, that is worth an annual wage. And she breaks that over his feet in an act of worship. And every time we see Mary, the the sister of Martha, Lazarus, like she's always at his feet. Like she's always seems to race to his feet. And it's always a posture of worship. Jesus said, no, this is not too extravagant. She's she's like... And that's not a vain statement when you're God, <laughs> right? When you are who you are, you know, right? And, and yet the humility of Christ to condescend to our sin and, 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 and embrace uh, us through his sacrifice is compelling. How would you have responded in that moment? Speculation at best, but I mean, who else is going to answer for you? Right? How would you respond in that moment? And then here's a statement. If you're writing anything down this morning, write this down. Are we quick to pray but slow to praise? Are we quick to pray but slow to praise? Should we only praise him when things are good? Guys, for benefit of time, like I could read Psalms. 105, 106, 107, 100, 118, 130. I mean, the list is, is long. And 
those 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 open up this way. Sing sing praises to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And we see it over and over and over again. And but when we put it in context of what God deserves and in the context of this moment like we understand like man thanksgiving needs to be a a, a, a very uh, intimate and and profound part of our of our, our, our relationship with God. First Thessalonians. Uh, so at men's breakfast every week, we, um, we, I have a stack of memory verses that are on these cards. And at men's breakfast, uh, one of the things we do is we, 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 we bring the one that we were, we picked from the previous week and that we've been memorizing and meditating on. And we share what the Lord has impressed on our heart through that time of meditation and uh and contemplation and um and it's a rich time everybody shares like what the lord's teaching them and how that spoke to them throughout the week uh but then we shuffle the deck collect them all up and there's probably if they're all together like 40 of them so there's there's a lot to choose from and then we disperse the deck back out again um can i read the one i got this week as i laughed when i when i looked at it and first read it rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, guarantee that that's not talking about giving thanks when giving thanks would be the natural response. It's in contrast to that. When, when giving thanks is the is, is, is everything that you don't feel like doing. Is he still worthy to be thanked? And, and, and isn't it, Jill, isn't it more of a statement of faith in that moment than it is when it's easy and natural to our, to our, to our disposition and our circumstances? You see what I'm saying? Like faith declares that you're worthy of, of thanksgiving and, and declare good when, when my circumstances aren't. Because that's what faith states. So are you grateful for the mercy God has shown you? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Are you grateful for the mercy God has shown you? Do we acknowledge that the healing that we have received by the stripes of Christ is more enduring than what this, this, this leper experienced in this moment? And yet, his response often puts our worship and our, and our attitude towards God to shame. It ought not be. Jesus' stripes bought our forever healing. I just want to remind you of that good news this morning. That his stripes bought our forever healing. What response does your healing warrant? What response to God does it warrant? This man was healed from more than leprosy. When he returns to Christ... And he declares by his response and his gratitude that you are more than master, you're Lord. And Jesus tells him that his faith in him is what made him well. That's the catalyst of our healing. See, here's a point again I would have you write down. The Lord just gave this to me. The ultimate high priest declared him clean. And that's what he stated over our lives. The one, the, the ultimate judge, the one that we need to ask for mercy from, declared that he is clean. And for the saint, you too 
Otherwise, your, his spirit would not be put in you and, and endure. And finally, this is the question I ask you to consider. Do you have an attitude of gratitude when it comes to prayer? Would you stand um, as we continue to worship this morning? Would you stand? Father, I pray that you would help us to walk by faith, that we would uh, trust in, in you declaring our faith by the way we walk out your word, uh, knowing that your promises are faithful. And Lord God, that we would, uh, that we would acknowledge that the, the one that has made statement over our life, the one that has made declaration and direction over our life is the author of life. And the one that, uh, that your word never returns void. It always accomplishes its purpose for which you have sent it. So Lord, we can, we can walk in your word knowing that it's faithful and that the promises that are made will come to fruition in your perfect time. Help us to rest in that and have a thankful heart in these things. And as we stand now and declare your praises, as we stand now and declare these lyrics as our very own, not just singing with our mouths, but with our hearts, Lord, I pray that you would find us at your feet, declaring your praises, shouting with a loud voice, that you are good and that your love endures forever. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.